Welcome to episode 64 from the Shedden Podcast with myself, T-Dot. Theo, how you doing? Yeah, not bad. A bit of a gloomy day here in London. And we're just saying that it's only Wednesday, so a couple more days to go until the weekend. But how are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Not bad, you know. Um, yeah, just, you know, I'm missing football. I'm, I am I am bad. I'm missing football. Like, really bad. I think I said that on the last episode, actually. Um yeah, I'm just struggling, struggling. Obviously, we've got the Women's Euros coming up, so I will watch that. But it's, um, yeah, you can't beat Premier League football. I watched the um, Liverpool-Anfield game from last season, I think on Sunday. We were amazing. That second half, when you look back, I know we didn't obviously win the game, but looking back, we were amazing. I mean, from August till maybe mid-November, we were brilliant. But we yeah, still yeah. kind of thought we could win the league and then it all went downhill, like it always does, end of November, yeah. throughout December. And then obviously the season kind of got derailed with all the sanctions and all that. But we've gone through this way too long. <laughs> if you want to listen or... back, go back and listen to episode whatever. Just go and listen to all the episodes. You'll, you'll catch them on there. But that's a good segue because if you haven't already, please go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, our subscribers are slowly going up. I think we're on 200 and something now, which is really good. Um, you know, getting a lot of the tra- traction on there and the algorithms. So it's really good. So please go and subscribe on YouTube. And also don't forget to follow our social accounts, which you'll see at the bottom of this screen as well. So Instagram and Twitter and also Spotify, Apple uh, podcasts for any of your podcasts that you want to listen to as well, as I just mentioned. But we're going to talk transfers and departures. So let's start with the departures. I think is only right to do that first. Um, just very briefly want to break it down and talk about some of them. So um, I think let's go back to the Bruce Buck and Marina Granasky, who were the first kind of big names to come out of the club. Uh, I know Bruce Buck's still there in some sort of capacity, um, but Marina was a bit, was that a surprise one for you? Because I think, I know she's on, um, she's sort of on hand as they kind of put it in the, the statement to tomorrow I think um, but what's your thoughts on on those two departures as such I think like you just said I think the Marina Granaskoya one was a more big surprise if I'm completely honest I felt like she was only a couple weeks or months a month ago she was celebrating with the women's team at Wembley and she really felt part of Chelsea more so than Bruce Buck and she was so influential I think she joined in October 2014 if I'm not mistaken and you look at all the players that would have come in through the door since then, there are, there's been a lot of dodgy signings, don't get me wrong. But you look at particularly summer 2020 when we bought in Ziyech, Werner, Chilwell, Silva, um, I'm forgetting a few, um, Kai Havertz, mm-hmm. Edouard Mendy, and you just wonder how influential she was to get decent money, decent price tags for them as well. And you look at Werner and Ziyech who are just coming off the back ends of brilliant seasons. But um, but now it is a bit of a, a, a surprise Um I do think she was she divided the fan base at times. But even though us fans, we can't really know f- for sure what happens behind the scenes. But um, but no, I think um, my kind of main feeling about her is I, I did I was I liked her I liked the business she did for us I liked that she was a strong minded businesswoman as well, which is what the club needed at times. So I think now we can just wish her the best and hope we can kind of um, whoever fills in um, beyond the, after the summer will be as good as her. Yeah, because I think there's, there's. I mean, I agree with you 100%. You know, I think people focus on the dodgy deals, if you can call mm-hmm. them them, you know, the dodgy deals that we, we did do. But, and she's obviously massively responsible for them, but I think we need to also look at the other side of some of those names you just pulled off. I mean, yes, yeah, some of them potentially haven't worked out in terms of um, what we expect of them on the pitch, but just for the financial, from a business perspective, what she'd done, you know, you can't really fault that because she'd done what she was asked to do. She brought in 
quality, top quality players for the right amount of money. Um, sold some, you know, we sold in, in terms of business. We've done well mm. selling players on as well. So um, I think, my, is it Michael Edwards that was previously at um, Liverpool? I think yes. has been yeah. sort of, his linked. name's sort of been linked heavily as well. Um, what's your thought? I mean, he, I mean, Todd Bowley's very sort of, um, keen to obviously try and put Chelsea in a new direction. And I think one of those directions is to use the blueprint that Liverpool have been successful with and the likes of Man City. So what do you think around that in terms of bringing someone in who knows the sort of how it works at Liverpool and, and trying to replicate it in some, some aspects? Uh, as much as I don't really like using the term replicate of its club's business, because I think each club is unique in their way that they conduct their business, but I hate Liverpool, don't get me wrong, but they've been... <laughs> I think we both can... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're in agreement there, but the business they've done is absolutely superb. It's hard to think of, maybe I can, at the top of my mind, I can only think of maybe Minamino, Cater that have, haven't really performed to the, you know, the, the price tags that they bought them in for, but all the other players that they've signed have been brilliant and I forgot his name, is it Michael, Michael Ed, Edwards? I think it's Michael Edwards, yeah, I might have got it wrong, yeah. but... I think yeah. if he's responsible for bringing those players in, then he's he's clearly a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. And if we can get someone like that in to, to replace Marina, then that'd be brilliant. But um, I'm confident, like I always say, that Tuchel and Boley will talk between each other this time and they can get the, the right kind of resources and um, technical directors that they need in that um, in that team. And I think I think that's why I'm I'm sort of weighing on to the side of I'm happy with the fact that Marina's gone and obviously Bruce Burke, not in the way that, you know, it's probably been handled. I don't know. We're not, we're not sort of in the room to see how it's been handled, but I just think the direction that I think the club needs to go in, it does need. And I think Todd Bowley always had people in mind. He wanted to take these roles on anyway. And I think the fact that he's allowed Marina to leave the club or, you know, to sort of stay on, on hand for a couple more weeks, he's sort of give Bruce Burke a new role. It tells you that, before he even got the club, he, he would have had a, a part of his business plan would have, I want these people to be in these roles. Um, you know, if I'm successful in my bid to get Chelsea, I want these people in, in the role. So um, based on certain transfer negotiations, which we'll touch on later on, but just in terms of how things seem to be moving at the club, departures and incoming players as well. I think that relationship, just having Todd Bowley there with Thomas Tuchel directly talking to each other, having that conversation, it seems like it could potentially work better for us bringing those players in. Definitely, definitely. I think something that um, that was apparent now, which was less so apparent last summer, was that Lukaku wasn't the player that um, was at the top of Tuchel's list. And I felt like it was more a player that maybe Marina, Bruce Buck and possibly Petr Cech brought in over Tuchel. But I really hope, like I said, that now Tuchel and Boli will be aligned with the vision and the players that they bring in and the players that they that depart as well. And that communication is on on point between the two because that's the most important thing. You don't want any fallouts with the board, the manager, the players, mm. like we saw with um, what happened with the Lukaku saga. Mm. And you just touched on Petr Cech. So another player, a player, he's still a player, he's still a player to me. And technically, mm. I think he was up until um, not long ago. I'm sure he's playing in the development squad, so I'm technically right. But um, Petr Cech obviously leaving after, you know, three years in his sort of new role, um, which, you know, from the statement, that uh, Chelsea put out in terms of him bringing the academy players together, pushing them through into the senior, the men's senior squad. Um, was that as another surprise for you? Did you think obviously with Marina sort of leaving, Bruce Buck having his new role, Petr Cech was almost part of that core 
um, you know, part of that corporate board level. He was he was part of that role. Did you see him staying on with Todd Bowley after everything that's kind of gone on? And you touched on it there with the Lukaku, you know, reports come out to say that, you know, um, Marina and, and Petrček wanted to keep Lukaku for another season at the club mm. and Todd was, Todd Bowley and Tuchel were technically against that. Do, would you surprise to see Petrček go? Uh, again, I think it, it's one that maybe, I, it was apparently Bowley and Tuchel wanted him to stay. And that's what, that's what they're saying. But I think it was more Czech that stepped down himself purely based maybe because he wasn't aligned with that vision that maybe Bowley and Tuchel had, which like you said, maybe is linked to Lukaku staying, leaving. A bit of a surprise, I think, and more kind of it hurts because we love seeing Petr Cech at Chelsea. Legend. The emotion, legend, exactly. The emotional kind of sentiment and attachment we have for him was brilliant. All you have to do is look back at when those, those protests for the Super League, he was the first one to come out and calm down the fans, almost sympathising with them, saying, I know what you're going through. Don't worry, we're doing our best to, to find a solution. Um, I, there's hardly any other kind of players than that kind of senior executive of the of teams that have come out and done that. You, you didn't see that at Liverpool, you didn't see that at United, you didn't see that at Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus. So clearly he was someone who wanted to please the fans as well. But um, I think, like I said, maybe it was just a mismatch of visions between between um, Boli and, and Petr Cech. Yeah. And well, I mean, we're forgetting, you know, he's a legend because he's a legend as a goalkeeper. Mm. You know, he's, you think back to some of those key moments, key games pre-injury, you know, that he sustains against uh, Redden, I think it mm. was. Um, but I mean, he's just a legend as a goalkeeper and to have him at the club for so long. And like I said, to bring some of those youth players through and, you know, help them mature as men. As, as players as well um you know sadly going to be missed but i think we need to get that recruitment strategy still we need to get it right we need to get the the right people in those positions as well 100 percent. but um I, I wanted to talk about um andres christensen who was another player who um this week announced that he's leaving the club which is not news you know we kind of knew that anyway but to see it confirmed and i, I was i was um I thought the statement was good. I don't know if you got mm. to read his statement that he put out. It was, I thought it was really good, interesting. Um, but what's your thoughts on Christensen? Because I mean, you know, he's had ups and downs at Chelsea, in my opinion. But what's your thoughts? I think it's there's a lot that we don't know about Christensen. Like you said in his statement, he's a very quiet person. He's not very vocal in post-match interviews. He kind of keeps his private life to himself. He hardly posts on social media. I think before he posted that statement around his departure and thanking the fans, the last time he posted is when he scored his first Chelsea goal, which was back in October 2021. Um, so almost over six months later in a way. But um, but it was nice to see that he thanked the fans and that yeah, he was he always loved that Chelsea and um, and uh, and the fans. And we always we talk about youth players. We always talk about Tomori, Mount, Hudson Odoi. Um, Abraham, those ones, Reese James, but we have to put Christensen in that back bracket. He came through the academy. He made his debut under Mourinho, I think, in 2014. Um, and he played as a right back, so he's really developed as a player. He's matured as a player as well. You can never know what someone goes through in terms of how they feel mentally. So all those problems he was having pre-match, only two core, the players around them, Chelsea and Christensen, and maybe his family will know what was what we were aware of what was happening. But uh, he has to go down as a player that's won a lot of trophies for us. He's won the Premier League as well, 20, 2015, if you want to count that one. He's won the Champions League. He was brilliant when he stepped in for, for Thiago Silva in that final in Porto. So I think now as Chelsea fans, we can just wish him the best. And we've had some amazing memories with Christensen. Yeah. And I, I said that on our uh, one of our, our YouTube videos. But I think, you know, it's 
it's um it's a player who's potentially done what he's hit a ceiling I think at Chelsea I don't I couldn't see him staying and progressing at Chelsea um I think the timing of him moving on and potentially us bringing in some new new faces in in, in our defense was probably the right thing to do um it, I mean I think he was at the, I think he, he joined the academy I think it's 16 mm. so I think they signed him they signed him from the Bronby academy but exactly. he came into the Chelsea academy yeah yeah, so to, to see him come in at that age and, and you know, the transition from, you know, I can only imagine being 16, coming to a new country, you know, you're, you're playing for a professional football club, you're having to then sort of be, you know, your expectations are so, so different. And to do that, to grow as a man, you know, whilst you're in a, almost in the spotlight at a big club like Chelsea as well, you can understand why there's been that sort of imbalance of sort of mental health and, and um, you know, dealing with things off the pitch and stuff like that as well. So um, definitely for me, you know, looking back, you know, there's been times I know I've said to you how harsh I've probably been on him in terms of the fact he's pulled out of games at last minute and and things like that. But yeah, you know, you, you're only wishing the best. And I think if it is Barcelona that he goes to, I just hope he can get registered because we know how, mm. <laughs> we know how uh, their, their sort of financial issues are yeah. in, in Spain at the moment. I think I saw a picture they've already printed out all the kits with his name. So it's almost oh, right, just, okay. yeah. So it's, 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 I think I saw a picture of Kessie and Christensen's kits already printed. But like you said, now it's just a financial side of things that needs to be sorted on their side. Now, I think we've spoken about Marcus Alonso already. I feel like we've spoken about him leaving the club. Obviously, Aspiaqueta wants to go as well. And we've, I think we've we've obviously got that year's extension in place or some sort of deal in place already with Aspiaqueta. But can you see Marcus Alonso leaving pushing for that move. I think he's very keen to try and get this done early as soon as possible. I'm pretty sure I read and I might be wrong, so don't quote me, but I think he's, he's finished his sort of holidays, if you want to call it that early, get this deal done. He's speaking to Tuchel um, this week, last week as well, to try and get that deal done. Can you see that happening? If a player really wants to leave and pushes for a move, then I can see it happening. I mean, the last thing you want is an unhappy player at a, at a club which is what nearly happened with um, with Harry Kane um, last season, but somehow it got sorted. Um, then again, I just struggle to see with all the players that Barcelona have been linked to, Christensen, Kessie, Alonso, they're now linked to, I think, Dybala or um, Lewandowski even, how they can afford to pay all these players' wages and the fees. I know they may get a couple of them for free, but their wages are still going to be quite hefty. And I think that's probably the side of things that's getting sorted now is how they can be aligned with all their match maybe Alonso's wages that he's currently on at Chelsea or find some kind of deal but um, if he does stay which I don't think is a possibility anymore but if he does stay I think we need to be really appreciative of how good he is as a left wing back I'm sure Chilwell will be Tuchel's first choice next season but I think we've taken some of his performances and just his his ability to step in in some games for granted at times so I'd be really grateful for another season of having Alonso at left wing back or as cover as left wing back but like I say if a player's unhappy and wants to leave and go back to his homeland then that needs to happen and be the priority for for both parties mm. I, I, One thing that worries me and you brought it up was was, mm. was Ben Chilwell now he's coming back from a massive injury and uh, not to say he'll have you know a similar injury this season but I just don't know is he going to hit that form that level of form that we've seen last season we just don't know and I think it's a massive risk to allow Alonso to go not really with any real replacement Mm. in terms of and again 
it goes back to, are we going to be playing the three centre-backs next season? Are we going to be having just, you know, the back four, uh, back four, the back, or are we going to go to, you know, is Tuchel going to change that system? So if he does, I can kind of understand that a little bit because we might keep Kennedy. We might keep Emerson. Mm. We might have um, Ian Matson, who I, I think has been linked with a, another club already, but... Final um, order, I think. Yeah, mm. that's it. So I just think he's been... What we don't want to do is end up what we've done last season, especially with right back with Reese James and then Aspie having to play every single game. Alonso did that pretty much the whole season as well. So that's what worries me. And I think you're right. You don't want to keep a player unhappy, but I think there's ways that we can keep him happy as well. So it's just that balance for me. But I'd, I'd hate to see him go because I think he's, an unsung, I've said it before, he's an unsung mm. hero. You know, he's, he's put shifts in when... He hasn't really got the acknowledgement of it. He's just got on with it. He's done it. He's assisted goals that people just take for granted, like you said. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I don't want to see him go. I'll be honest. Mm. I, I want him to stay. Yeah, definitely. It's so hard nowadays to find just a Premier League experienced player that can just come in, who can fit. Because left wing back's not an easy position. It's some someone needs to be quite naturally gifted in that position or have experience having played in that position. And I think all Chelsea fans still want to see him play as a number nine in one game. Whether everybody wraps <laughs> up the league, we can just put him as a number nine. So that needs to happen if he does stay or even a pre-season friendly or some kind of exhibition game. But um, but yeah, like you said, um, if he wants, if he can stay, then I'd be really, really happy. But it seems more like he just wants a return to Spain to be closer to mm. his home country, which seems to be the main problem. Because I don't think game time's an issue. He had plenty of game time last season. Um, maybe a couple of fallouts with Tuchel um, that were rumoured at times, which may play may have played a part as well. But we never know what happens behind behind the behind the doors. So um, only time will tell now. Let's let's stick with defenders because we've been linked with a, pretty much every defender I think possible. Um, the key ones, obviously, is um, now the Jules Kunde seems to have gone very quiet. And what I read earlier was uh, earlier in the week was that we've obviously we want to try and. We're bringing in attacking players. One of those players who's a, who's meant to depart is Timo Werner, who's meant to be part of the the deal um, with Juventus to bring the lead to Chelsea. Um, I think for 100 million, including the player, which I, I sort of had to read about four times because I thought they said 100 million plus Timo Werner, but it's 100 million, including Timo Werner in that deal. So um, Nathan Ake, another one. Skriniar, who you said earlier before we came on. Kulabali, who I think is his agent's in London or due to fly into London to sort of start negotiations. What's worrying me is we, I mean, it's a key area. You said it a few a few weeks ago when we did our, our last episode. We don't really have any sort of defined target. Um, we, I thought it was Kunde, it doesn't seem to be. We just kind of seem to be going to different clubs and saying, who's available? Can we have them? What's the offer? And there doesn't really be any, there might be, but I just don't know. What's your thoughts on defence and those targets we're being linked with? And, you know, there seems to be so many names and, you know, pre-season kicks off in a few weeks and we still don't really have any defined targets in defence. Yeah. I mean, if it's, it's a bit of a worry, like you said, and I think we need to kind of have those two, well, we play a back four or back three, those three centre-backs or two centre-backs set in stone. Those will be our three starting centre-backs for those big Champions League games, those big Premier League games. As it stands now, we don't have that. It, we can't be going into those games with Saar, Chaloba and Silva. I don't think that's going to work. Or Aspi or G. Reese James as a centre-back, which leaves right-wing backers a bit of a problem. But um, but no, I think it, it seems like every week we're linked to a new centre-back. Don't get me wrong, very good centre-backs, but it just almost seems like we need to just 
stay fixated on one of them and just go all out for them, whether that be delete, um, which is a lot of money, if I'm honest, <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Including but, um, Werner as well. You think including about Werner. It, it's a lot of money. Yeah. But and then you mentioned those four names, Skriniar, Kunde, or five names with Ake, Delete, and um, Kulabali. We need, we're going to need at least two of those five players, potentially, to really fill in the departures of Rudiger and um, Christensen. Levi Colwiller seems to be another player that wants game time next season. And I'm sure Tuchel will have, give him kind of the Chiloba assessment like last season in terms of giving preseason um, to really see if he's fit, capable of fitting into the Chelsea system and play a part so, uh, in the squad um, next year. But personally, I think I've said it before, I'd, I'd stick with Koulibaly and Delete. I think those would be my preferred two. I think even Kunde put quite a cryptic Instagram story of him on the plane or like with a sad face or something like that. Almost <laughs> like I think I might have seen that. Almost like his move to Chelsea's fallen through now, or his move to Barcelona is not going to happen either. So um, yeah, I just kind of hope this this kind of centre back situation gets sorted as soon as possible because that's what I did say was an urgent priority um, in the last episode. And when I say urgent priority, you do want to kind of have those players in by maybe mid July time. So you can give them preseason. We have to remember the league starts a bit earlier this year. I think it's the 6th of August, yeah. um, which is almost not even like a month and a bit to go. So yeah, we need to get it sorted as soon as possible. I I think you're right. I think, you know, for me, it's more the system we're going to play, mm. um, which would drive me into the direction of is delete the right answer? Because I'm pretty sure they play, they only play the two centre-backs at Juventus. Um I don't know how comfortable he is in the back three with the three centre-backs. I, I just don't know. And that's what worries me about that deal. I think he's a really good defender. Um, but to transition into a new league with a new you know, a new system, I don't know. And we also, I think I said to you last night, I think, you know, and I've said it before on different podcasts and to other people, you know, we, I'm still talking about Thiago Silva that can play, you know, week in, week out. And he just, he just won't be able to do that next season. You know, we saw the back end of last season that, the Adnark or he'd come off or mm. um, the FA Cup final. I yeah. think he sort of took the aspirin or whatever it was, the painkillers, um, just to get through the game. And I think this season, we really have to manage his game time very well, especially if we, we try and get, you know, beyond, you know, f- further into the Champions League or, you know, we try and close that gap between Liverpool and City in the in the Premier League as well. I just think we've got to, we've got to wrap him in cotton wool and we've got to try and just manage his time as well. But I agree with you. I don't think Milan Sarr for me, I, he's, he's not even in the conversation. I think uh, Trevor Chalabar, I think is someone who has definitely proven himself at that level. He can play there. Um, I think Levi Cowell, I'm sure it was Southampton or West Ham are interested mm. in trying to sign him. So you would think maybe another season's loan. I hope it's not a sale. I didn't, didn't mm. really go into too much detail in, in the, uh, the information I read yesterday, but if that's a, a fee, then I would hope there's a buyback clause in there because he's definitely got the potential to yeah, to, you know, to come back. Um, learn but, from our mistakes with Tamori as well. Yeah, it? precisely. Um, in hindsight, and this is just because it just popped into my head, is selling Kurt Zuma or was selling Kurt Zuma the wrong thing to do at the time? Because I think if we don't bring in the leads or we don't get um, you know Koulibaly and we just end up with Nathan Ake, which... I'm pretty sure Man City would love to offload. If we end up with just Nathan Ake and we, you know, we're stuck with the, the centre backs that we've got, surely Kurt Zuma would have been able to do a job in that yeah. defence. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking of all the problems we had last season, the sanctions, uh, the Lukaku situation. Would he have wanted that Kurt Zuma cat video? We did not need the cat video. To no, we did not need a cat video linked to a club. 
So in that, in that kind of aspect of things, I'm glad we saw them. But I think, again, I think before we can even consider just to, um, Zumo, I think Tomori is the one we really missed out on. Mm. And then we just need to maybe learn from mistakes and really assess what we want to do with Ampadu and Colwell before um, before moving them on, if we're going to move them on. Um, and even there was that other chap, I think Lewis Hall, who played against Chesterfield. Yeah, he's good. He was, good, he was good. And I think he played as a left wing back. That's another he's option. Versatile potentially. As well. He's versatile. Versatile. So um, definitely, I think, too cool this year. We've got games in preseason. I think unlike the previous years where we're still a bit not as many as we'd have wanted with COVID, but we've got games this season, um, pre-season, I think Arsenal, I think a Mexican team and Chicago, a Chicago team, I think, if I'm yep. not mistaken. Play, experiment things in those games, see what you want, do what you did with Chiloba last season in the Super Cup and those those few pre-season games we had. But um, we just need to learn from those mistakes. Maybe Zuma as well, that could be classed as a mistake potentially. I just I just think as well the five sub ruling and I mm. think I mentioned it before I think that coming in for me says that we've got to have that depth we've got to I think we spoke about it on um, one of the YouTube videos around the congested fixture I think it's around April and um, sorry August so, August and is it April and October October think, and April yeah I think it's like, I like six, that, it? yeah. six Premier League games in both those months yeah. and that's just the Premier League game so that's not factoring in any sort of FA Cup League Cup Champions League or whatever it's just the Premier League and I think that's when I'm starting to think about Thiago Silva wrapping him in cotton wool etc etc so um, yeah for me we've we've got to at least get two out of those five and I'm hoping it's not yeah. Nathan Ake as much as I like him mm. um, just to I think for me, what I think I said last night, just the fact he's got the Premier League experience is what would make me think, okay, it mm. might be a good deal. But I've watched him for Man City and he's and, and I watched him a lot for Bournemouth as well. And he was he's a good defender, but is he the level that we need? I would say no. Yeah. I mean, I just spoke about Tomori. We you spoke about Zuma. We kind of maybe class those with sales as mistakes, but do we ever regret selling Ake? Probably did, not. Did we get so. him for 40? Did we, we got 40 million or something for him? Or was that? I think we sold him to Bournemouth and I think he was their record transfer. I can't remember how much they paid. But I, I think Bournemouth. maybe City bought him from Bournemouth for 40 oh, million. Yeah, mil, yeah, I yeah think. that's it. Yeah. But, but yeah, we never really regret selling Ake. So maybe we have to kind of think back to that and there's a reason for it. So yeah, like I said, I think my top two and those five would be um, would be Kulabali and Delete because it looks like Skriniar's going to PSG mm. from what I've read. Mm. Interesting. Let's let's talk about some positives coming in. Let's let's end mm. on the positives. So obviously, last night my phone was going crazy. <laughs> Lots of notifications were coming through, and I was thinking, "What have I done?" Looked at it, and it was Rafino. Mm. Of all players, I just didn't see this one coming. And I mean, it's not a done deal, but I think from what Fabrizio uh, Roman has sort of come out today and said that the sixty million is not the the stumbling block. Um, it's just personal terms that need to be agreed. Did you did you see this one coming? I mean, Arsenal looked like they're in pole position. I think Barcelona was sort of flirting, but again, financial constraints. But Arsenal were in the driver's seat, and we've come in. We've done a Willian. Uh, I think when he was meant to go to Tottenham, I think we've done a John Obi Mikel when he was supposed to go to Manchester United. We look, oh, we've done it again. And what's your thoughts on Rafinha? Because I, I, you know, I'm dying to hear it. Yeah, like you said, it's often he's when transfers do materialise it's those that you least expect or they're out to sign for another club and then all of a sudden that tweet comes out that makes it almost official and I feel like there is a bit of truth behind it when Fabrizio tweets about it there's always truth behind it um, if I'm completely honest I feel Leeds were hardly watched Leeds last season because they were 
so boring and he'd always concede plenty. But I saw that he had 11 goals, three assists last season. And in that lead side, that's pretty good. That's very good numbers, given how poor they were. Um, and you just put him in a better premier, a better side and you do wonder what he could do. A Brazil international now as of 2021. So there will be seeing plenty of him at the World Cup, I'm sure, as well. Versatile, which is something we need. Um, he's played a few times at right wing back, which may be why we're looking to bring him in. And you do kind of think Rafinha and Reese James on that right wing. That's a scary, that's scary, and it's scary for the opponents we're playing. So um, that would be exciting. Um, the more I think about it, the more I'm happy with this player. But then I'm starting to think now as well, would we go for like a Richarlison and a Sterling on top of this move? Because mm. I think we both agree that our priority should be defenders over attacking players. So um, I'm almost surprised we're getting this deal done before we sign the centre-back. But um, but maybe it's more a question of urgency, seeing that he was so close to signing for Arsenal. And I feel like if you're a player like Rafinha, if you had to choose between Arsenal and Chelsea and you, you want to play Champions League, so it makes sense for him. But uh, but yeah, what are your thoughts on Rafinha? The same, you know, the same. I think, you know, um, I didn't see it happening. I didn't, like, it come out the blue, which is, I love those deals when it just sort of happens and it's almost been done, you know, under the table. Um but I think he's a good player. You know, I've watched him um, on a handful of occasions for Leeds and he's he's definitely someone, I mean, Leeds will struggle. I think if they lose mm-hmm. Calvin Phillips, which I think they will to uh, Man City and we we end up with Rafinha, there's two key players out of their squad for next season. So um, surprised that they're allowing two big names to go at the same time. But um, in terms of what we're gaining, I think brilliant. You know, I think if we can, it looks like the Usman Dembele deal will be off if we do secure this this deal. I think, you know, the fact that Dembele still hasn't made a decision, his contract ends tomorrow. Barcelona haven't offered him a new deal. We've offered him something and he's almost kept us, you know, on the shelf for another, you know, he's got 24 hours to decide. It looks like maybe Todd Bowley and the club have thought, well, we haven't heard from Dembele. We don't want to be left without that that sort of area to be fulfilled. So let's go in for Rafinha. We'll, we'll, bypass and match Arsenal's I think it was 55 million from Arsenal we've gone in with 60 million you know Champions League football there's a World Cup in November you know it makes it makes pretty much good sense to me and I think the fact you have Reese James on the right hand side whoever we get Chilwell and hopefully Sterling which I think there'll be a double announcement uh, for both of those players um, now I've heard Richarlison's meant to be almost and it's almost done for Tottenham um, he's a very Tottenham player isn't he Oh yeah, completely. With his attitude, um, yeah. Completely. Takes me back to that night game um, when Chelsea did the battle at um, Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Um, yeah, got a red card in that probably. Yeah, yeah 100%. But um, I think in terms of sort of who's plays out in the middle, you look at Kai Havertz. I think, you know, he's the main guy. Um, now there has been talk, and I didn't want to bring this up, but there has been talk about Neymar, who can play in that role. Um, PSG apparently are willing to pay... Neymar's wages for the duration of the season wherever wherever he goes they're going to pay his wages which is something that for me I think he, I mean, he must be on 400, 500 grand a week probably more um, now if we can get Rafinha Sterling on both sides and someone like Neymar or even Kai Havertz I'd be happy to see Kai Havertz we, he's, he's, you know Lukaku wasn't playing well Kai Havertz was filling that role and doing a really good job he played there the season before when we won the Champions League in some aspects as well. That's a scary front three, even with Kai Havertz in it and Sterling and Rafinha, you know, mm. as a front three. I don't know what your thoughts are because it obviously means Hakim Ziyech potentially to AC Milan. 
as I said before, you know, Timo Werner as part of the delete deal. Um, would you be happy with that front three? If that was if that was the ultimate front three, we could get the desirable one. Yeah, I mean, I just always go back to summer 2020 when I said a scary front three would be Pulisic, Ziyech and Werner. <laughs> and look, look, look how that turned out. So on paper, I don't know. I mean, on paper, on paper exactly. On, on yeah. paper, Neymar, Sterling and Rafinha is very scary. But you do wonder what that means for players like Mount, players mm. like Hudson-Odoi, like Havertz. Like you said, depth is so important for next season. But um but I just think Neymar's that player that would want all the attention on him. I think he made even disrupted the dressing room as good as some of the Brazilians we've signed in the past have been have been for us, like Silva, um, like um, maybe Oscar at times. You look at those like David Luiz, who kind of had his own little click click in the dressing room and disrupted things with Conte. So I don't think he'd be the best signing for us. I'd just rather we focus on us and the vision we have for the future and build around that. But bringing in a player like Neymar, which seems to only be for a season if PSG are willing to pay his wages, I don't think that's the best. It almost seems like we'd be taking a step backwards in a way. I'd much rather just focus on playing Havertz as a false nine. It seems to have worked best at times. And if you look at our last couple of seasons when we've excelled, it's been playing a false nine. Champions League, I'm sure Giroud got us maybe to the quarters, but I think beyond the quarters, we were playing with Werner, Havertz and Mount as our front three. So yeah, but like I always say, I trust Tuchel now that I feel like he's got more of a, in a, of a say in the players he wants to bring in. I trust him to get the players that he wants and build that team and strategy and system around that around that, those players. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think we, we forget, you know, um, we got Brogel as well, who's another mm-hmm. player that I'm hoping we keep at the club. He's, a, again, someone who I feel has a role to play at the club next season as well. So even if it is Kai Havertz, like I said, I think my one of the things I've always screamed about last last season was the fact we didn't have players that could unlock defences and make things happen in that mm-hmm. final third and take players on and get the ball into the box. And I, you know, Sterling is, I think I read a stat that Sterling's um, one of the most improved or better players under Pep Guardiola um, at his time at City. So I just think he's a player that, yes, he's declined in the last couple of years. That might be down to the fact he hasn't played as many games. So I, I, we don't know. And I think one of the things that Thomas Tuchel has um, it's kind of giving them a reassurance with is that he will be, you know, a, a sort of main player for Chelsea if he does come to the club. So you'd think, does that improve him again? I think he's only, I mean, he's not 30. I think he's about 28, I think, something like that, mm. 28, 27. So he's still got plenty of time in him to, to you know, prove himself at a top club. Rafinha, again, another one who can unlock defences as well. So he's 25 as well, which is a perfect age, I feel. Brilliant age. And even if we can, you know, obviously Thiago Silva's there as well the, the Brazilian link up and I mean even if we did get Neymar I mean the three Brazilians yeah. you know you'd hope Thiago Silva can keep both of them in check if we can get yeah, them but, true, true. <laughs> but I, no, in, in, in sort of reality I think you know if we can get Rafinha or Sterling get those two defenders sorted out that five that we spoke about um, obviously the DM's a big thing still I mean it's still a big question mark over that but I think if we can folk I've, I've always said I think for me I can't judge Todd Bowley on this season, this window. I, I just can't. We can't judge Chelsea how we do in the next couple of weeks. I think for me, next season's window is more crucial. This this one for me is that sort of transitional period of getting a couple of players out, a couple of players that we kind of need in, allowing Tuchel to embed them, blend them into the squad that he's currently got as well. But I think next season for me, I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, do you think we can win the Premier League the next, you know, this season or... 
Like I said, I think the, the the season coming up is all about closing that gap and getting closer to City and Liverpool. But given the kind of budget we've been given, the players we've been linked to, I think there's no, no nothing says that we can't we can't win the season in the next two to three years. I mean, City, as good as they are, they do have flaws. So do Liverpool, I think. I think Liverpool losing Mane is a huge loss for them. Huge. Mm. And I think Salah is not going to stay another two, three years. So I think it's going to be an interesting free, um, interesting um, next couple of seasons, I think. But I think what we we see with Chelsea is we win the league sometimes when it's least expected. You look at that Precisely. Conte season, no one expected us to win it. We'd, we finished 10th the year before. And I think given how last season went, it almost feels like we finished 10th at times because so much went against us. So I wouldn't be surprised if somehow we just pulled the rabbit out of the hat and did something special next year. I mean, that's what it is to be a Chelsea fan. They just We've got a trophy in us every season. We just don't know which one it is at times. Um, we, deal, we deal well under pressure, which is, yeah. which is good. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I don't, I don't think we can win the league this season, but I do yeah. think we we can definitely close that gap and bring in some players. But mm-hmm. um, very yeah. different expectations to last season. Then, <laughs> do you know, I think the Lukaku thing just sort of clouded yeah. everyone's judgment, didn't it? I think it kind of made everyone feel like you know we are going to win. That was a missing piece of the puzzle, which it clearly mm. wasn't. But you know, so so long, so long, be gone. Um, good way to end, I think. Um, as guys as always make sure you follow the, the social accounts as well um which you'll see at the bottom of the screen and if you're on the spotify or apple podcast then please go and subscribe to the youtube channel as i said at the start of this episode i think when i last checked we had 205 um subscribers which um you know i think two weeks ago we only had 150 so it kind of tells you the the direction we're hoping to head in so make sure you give us a subscribe and a like and let us know your thoughts in the comments as well theo as always impressive shirt i didn't say that on, on record, but i did say it before but brilliant shirt so um if you're watching on the audio version then go to the youtube and you'll check out the shirt that theo's got on it's a classic shirt you do not want to miss it as always thanks for joining me theo this has been episode 64 from the shed end podcast thanks for listening or watching wherever you are stay safe and we'll be back very soon with another episode <laughs>